0: Hey, friends, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this message today. Everything that the Lord shows me is designed to impact people's lives and advance the kingdom in a mighty way. My prayer is that you would be so blessed and so rooted and so established in the more that the Lord has in store for your life. And remember, stay fired up. One of the things that I want to do here at Rock City Church is help people to discover who they really are in the Lord and who they were always destined to be. As a pastor, I hear all kinds of dysfunction in people's lives. I've heard tons of stories about the craziest, most jacked up stuff you could ever imagine. I hear it all the time. People come to me talking with me about their addictions and their hurts and their pains from adultery and affairs to all kinds of crazy, weird things. I hear it all the time. But no matter what I hear, no matter what I see in people's lives or your own life, I always see the way that the Lord sees and if I can look at you and see you through God's eyes, and if I can tell you who you really are in the Lord, it'll transform you and change you. And I had to learn to start looking at people the way God sees them, not the way that I in the natural way see them. And the only way that I'd be able to see people rightly is if I could have a good view and picture of myself. And the problem is is so many people don't like themselves. The problem is, is that so many times we've made horrible decisions We've done a lot of bad things. We're finding ourselves hooked into sin patterns or whatever it is. We feel like we're falling short continuously or never measuring up, and we're not satisfied or happy with ourselves. And when we're not happy with what we see in the mirror and when we're not happy with what we look like, we'll look to everything else to bring comfort and to find our identity in our lives. Okay? And so I'm going to use the mirror a lot today because this mirror represents something. And in the Bible, there's several places where it talks about mirrors. And the premises is what you look at, what you see, and what you behold is what you become. And if you have a warped picture and identity of who you are, if you have a bad picture and identity of who Jesus is, even more than that, we'll live lives spun out and dysfunctional. We'll see church and Jesus as religion, and we'll never live a life fully fired up and excited in being a Christian. Now, on Wednesday, I talked about the Zoe life. In the Greek, the word for the God kind of life is Zoe. It's everlasting life. Most of us will know John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The word for Zoe life is the Strong's Concordance number 2222. I taught on it last Wednesday, which happened to be 2222. Right? And the Zoe kind of life looks like something. This is what happens when a believer is born again. So the Zoe, the God kind of life means that we are we have vitality and we're animate and we have vigor and we're radiant. Okay? So if you actually look up the Zoe God kind of life, when you get born again, a transformation and a change should happen. And now the image that's upon me, my countenance, my look, my actions, everything shifts. Okay, so when you're born again, a change, a process of change happens, but then this is a process of growth for the rest of our lives. You don't suddenly arrive, okay? You pop your head out of the ground like a sapling plant or tree, and then over the time, you begin to produce fruit, and you mature, and you grow. So there's a process. The Bible says glory to glory, and I'll show you that today. But what happens is, is when you come to the Lord, you really, not only do you discover the greatness of who he is, but you find yourself. And so a lot of people have an identity crisis when they come to Jesus. Because when you die to self your old life, and you embrace the new life, then what happens is, is all the things that you once found your comfort and identity in have to die too. So if you were, pop, if you like, for let me use my life for an example. I used to be a deadhead following the Grateful Dead around the country. My identity was wrapped up in beautiful, colorful tie-dyes. All the good pot, friends wanted to hang out with me because I always had good drugs. I loved going out partying to ladies' night in the bars and the clubs, and I had a lot of friends that wanted to do that with me. I followed the Grateful Dead around the country, which is where I picked up playing percussion and congas and African drums. What the devil meant for his glory, God twisted it and turned it and brought me back for his glory. So when I used to play congas and percussion in parking lots, now I worship the Lord with the gift that God gave me. But the point is, is I found my identity in all these things in the world. How I looked, my status, my appearance, the clothes I wore, my hair, all of those things. And I was popular because of those things. But when I came to Jesus and I came to the cross and I laid my life down and I went all in, all those things that I found comfort and identity in, God took away. And I had to be willing to give them up. And that was hard at first. But the Lord replaced my life with great love and great passion and great joy, and he gave me something better than what I had before, so I didn't want to go back. And any time that I did go back, I realized that it wasn't good enough. It didn't taste or sound or feel as good as what I had had. And It was this process. I made a lot of mistakes. I wasn't perfect immediately, but God in his love and his kindness continued to grow me and cause me to become more like him over the course of time. He was merciful. He was kind. He was faithful, and he was always there. Okay, but What happened was I got an identity shift. When I was orphaned and abandoned and I came to the Lord, I now realized that I was a son, and I could see myself through God's eyes as a son. And God would always remind me that he loved me and he cared about me and that I was his son. And that his love could never be removed and he was always there, full of kindness, mercy, and compassion for my life, no matter what I did. And so I learned it for myself, and in turn I can now give it to others. But prior to coming to the Lord, I had a warp-skewed perspective of myself and who God was. All I knew was religion. All I knew was, you know boring dead church all i knew was street preachers on the street corner telling me that i was going to go to hell and turn or burn all i knew was all these things that were not what god's heart was and as i'd go around to the grateful dead concerts i'd be doing drugs and meditating on crystals and tarot cards and all these things and what would happen is i would have my bible with me because i believed that all roads led to god i believed in the theory of relativism that whatever worked for you, who am I to tell you? If it worked for you and changed you, that's great. It wasn't my job to tell you. And so I'd have my Bible with me everywhere that I'd go because I believed it was some way going to lead me to spirituality. Right? And so every time I'd try to read my Bible, I couldn't understand what I was reading. It'd be like reading Chinese. Now, I knew I would be reading what Jesus said because the words would be in red, but I'd have to read a scripture three, four, five times in a row to even try to get some understanding. And that was mainly because I wasn't really coming to the Lord in desperation to give him my life. Instead, I was looking at Jesus as just another way or just another answer amongst all. And the truth is, is that Jesus is the only way. And the truth was, was that I needed to turn to him with all of my heart, not just doubt him or question him or think he was just another. And so I was veiled. I couldn't really see what I was looking at. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul talks about that, and he basically says that the Old Covenant was was a veil to the people's lives, that people couldn't really see and understand what they were looking at, that their minds were blinded and their hearts were veiled. And Paul says that the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life, and he's talking about how The new covenant is so much better and more glorious than the old. Okay, this is, I'm just paraphrasing. Just listen along because I'm going to go someplace really great with this that you're going to like. And so Paul's talking about how anybody that looked into the law that, that looked with old eyesight would be veiled and their minds would be blinded. And then he uses the example of when Moses, Moses would go up to the mountain with the Lord and come down and be shining so bright but that Moses would have to have a veil over his head because he didn't want the people to see the glory that would fade away. And the premise was, is that what we saw in the Old Testament was never meant to last. It was veiled, and ultimately, it was incomplete. So through Jesus, the new covenant, now the veil would be ripped in two, and there'd be no more veil so that we could come to the Lord just as we are. Now follow me, I'll help you understand it. It's kind of heavy, but I want you to understand what Paul's trying to say. He's saying that anybody without being born again and without Jesus in their life will have an incomplete understanding of God, his word, who he is, and their minds will be blinded and their hearts will be veiled. This is all 2 Corinthians 3. You can read it for yourself. I don't want to go too deep into it because I don't want to lose all of you. But the premise is, is he's saying there's a new and a better way. And then he says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. He says, anyone who turns to the Lord, the veil's taken away. Now we're going to talk a little bit about veil, and we're going to talk a little bit about seeing clearly today. The title of my message today for February 26 is, Do You See What I See? Do you see what I see? Because when I look at you, I have an eyesight from the Lord that sees something often different than what you see. I've asked the Lord to give me an eye transplant and to help me see the way he sees, and I spend a lot of time beholding him and looking at him Amen. so that when I see him, I see an accurate, clear picture of myself, and now when I look at you, I see an accurate, clear picture of you. Amen. And then I'm in the business of breaking shame out of your life Amen. because the fear is that the pastor comes along. This happens all the time. People find out a pastor. They were cussing like a sailor until they found that out. But once they found that out, they're like, oh, oops, sorry, I shouldn't be talking. I'm like, you know what? I don't expect you to change just because you find out I'm a pastor. And now you need to understand how I see you. Because I'm not looking at you as a miserable, wretched sinner. I see all of you as sons and daughters with hope and promise and a destiny. Because God has walked this long life out of showing that to me. So prior to me becoming born again, if you are not born again and have not turned, so to turn to the Lord, let me help you understand what turn to the Lord is. Turn to the Lord doesn't mean you come to church once a week, four times a month, twice a month, once a month. Turning to the Lord doesn't mean you've got the label of a Christian. Turning to the Lord doesn't mean that you go through your religious duty. To turn is the understanding of changing the way you think, repenting, turning the other direction and saying, God, I'm all in. And what I've got here is a lot of people that aren't really all in. You're attracted to God, but you don't know his ways. And so today I want to show you some of his ways, and I want to show you a proper reflection and image of yourself. Because some of you have a skewed picture of yourself right now. Some of you, what you really see, and I'm not talking about just this reflection. I'm talking about your image, your face, your countenance, your identity, and who you are. And there's a lot of people that don't really know who they are. And so I say, you're sons and daughters. Like, what does that even mean? And today I'm going to help you understand what that really means. And I'm going to help you get a real picture of who you really are so you can get a real good picture of your identity and the way God sees you. Because if you can see the way he sees, if you can see the way I see, and if you can start to see through God's eyes the way you live, the way you act, what you believe, everything will shift and change. Everything. So Paul says, look. Anybody that turns to Christ, the veil's taken away. We're going to talk a little bit about veils today. When Jesus was crucified in Matthew chapter 27, as soon as he gave up his spirit and breathed his last breath, let me tell you what happened. There was a veil in the temple that was four inches thick, woven of nice, fine linen, purple linen. And on that veil was an image of a cherubim. Now, a cherubim will rock your intellect because you can't intellectually understand a cherubim. Eyes, wings, flying around the throne, it's very supernatural, okay? But on that veil was a cherubim. And when Jesus gave up his last breath, it says, the veil was ripped from the top to the bottom and there was an earthquake and the rocks split. It's all a picture of God breaking hard hearts and tearing down division so that everybody could have access. What I want all of you to know is all of you can have access today. And you say, access to what? Access to experience and behold the greatness and the beauty of the Lord. Now, for some of you, that's going to sound like a foreign language. Because if you've never tasted what I've tasted, you're not going to see what I see. Again, I'll liken it unto eating the freshest lobster right out of the ocean, at a cool sunset with hot boiling water, you dip the lobster in water, boil it, and then eat with melted butter right there on the boat. We used to shoot grouper and snapper spearfishing in the Bahamas. We would fillet it right when we took it out and put it right on the grill, and the nerves would be so fresh the fish would vibrate on the grill. And when you'd eat it, it'd melt in your mouth. Now, if you've never experienced that, you don't know what I'm talking about. So if I tell you, you just need to go spend time with the Lord, you think religious talk. You spend time reading your Bible. You think religious talk. You don't make the connections. And I want to help you make the connections. I want to get you out of religious dysfunction and get you to have a good, proper view of yourself. There's a reason why I'm so lit up and fired up because I'm constantly reminded that I'm a son. And when I look at myself in the mirror, the image that I'm seeing is his image in me. I believe in myself for tomorrow and the next day, not self-righteous, but in a way that says, I have hope in a future, and so do you. Oh, yeah. Because too many of you don't. You think God doesn't love his people so much that he came and made it about them in the context of, I love you, I'm laying my life down for you. He cares so much about you. So much about you. And so he says, anybody that turns to the Lord, the veil's taken away. Verse 17. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is Liberty. There's big misconception about this this scripture, by the way. Let me tell you what this scripture is not referring to. This doesn't mean that when the presence of God comes, you've got more freedom to dance. This doesn't mean when the Spirit of the Lord comes that you have more freedom to shout. Because some of you might never dance or shout. You're a little more introverted. You're just going to be like, yeah, you sway a little bit, move back and forth. I get it. Now I want you to dance and shout, but it has nothing to do with external activity. Come on. Come on. The, scripture, the, the context of the scripture is all about the fact that those in the Old Testament were blinded and veiled. Notice the scripture before anybody that turns to the Lord, the veil's taken away, which means when you turn to the Lord, the Holy Spirit comes into your life. And now, because the Holy Spirit's in your life, you have liberty. The word liberty means freedom or license. And this particular context means license to see. Everybody say license to see. License to see. Well, license to see what? We're going to come back to a mirror here. License to see without shame, without condemnation. License to see yourself for who you really are. And license to become something that God always intended you to, intended you to become. Let's look at the next scripture verse 18. Everybody say, but we all. all. So you got to turn to the Lord first. You got to be born again. You got to come to the cross and you got to lay your life down. When you come to the cross and you lay your life down, what happens is when you turn to the Lord, the veil's taken off. And so now with an unveiled face, meaning that the lid is lifted, anything, any shame, any false coverings, anything on my life is removed out of my life. Beholding as in a mirror. So Paul is going to use the example of looking to Jesus as looking into a mirror. This is, the con- this is the comparison. He's going to use the example of looking at God, beholding him, with an unveiled face as looking into a mirror. And he says this. Keep the scripture up. All of us with an unveiled face beholding, like as looking into a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the same Spirit of the Lord. Now, let me help you understand this, okay? The word transformed is the word metamorphosis. It's the understanding of a caterpillar that goes into a cocoon and then becomes a butterfly. Tra- completely being changed from one image to another. It also means to be transfigured. Transfigured is a little different than transformation. Transfigured means you don't look the same. You don't look the same to me. I say that to people all the time. I see people come in here downcast, ho-hum, gloom. Their sad faces, beat up. Sin has beat them down. The devil's beat them down. And they're here for a period of time. And they soak in the truth and they start to believe it and they start to do it. They start to spend time with Jesus and then suddenly... They're learning to abide and get in the secret place. They never really had fascinated times with the Lord. They just had religious duty with God. And now you discover him and you have got awakened and you start to behold him. And what happens is, as you're looking at him like looking into a mirror, suddenly you start to become what he sees in you. What you're looking at is now what you start becoming. That's why there's this example of a mirror. If you see yourself as fat, Skinny, bad clothes, bad hair day, ugly, and all the lies of the enemy, of what he your past, a drug addict. You fill in the blank of all the things that the enemy tries to tell you about yourself. That's why I'm out to undo all the lies of the devil by telling you, you don't know what I see. You don't see what I see. Now, I see only what he sees because I asked him to give me his eyes. But he's saying, look, if you'll behold the Lord, if you'll turn to him, He'll take the veil away, and now he'll fix your skewed picture and skewed image of yourself. And now with an unveiled face, you will be transformed from glory to glory. You know what glory to glory means? It's not some weird thing. Glory to glory means that suddenly you get your proper image restored, and you continue to grow and process all the days of your life. That's why I never give up on you. That's why you got to understand there's this process of growth that God has, and you mess up and screw up, and the devil comes in and says, look at you, you're such a failure, and he starts telling you things that you see about yourself that are lies. And suddenly you start thinking and believing things that aren't true because you forgot what God said. And what I'm telling you is when you look to Jesus, you'll find yourself of who you really are. Let me tell you, I'm way better than that pot-smoking, grateful-dead-watching, alcoholic, drinking, partying. I'm so much better than that now. Thank God. And I'm not some weird religious goofball. I love Jesus, man. I love Jesus. Jesus is real. Listen, Jesus really is real. You're going to have to get past the place of just coming to church and hoping and doing the right thing anymore. There's a reason why I hit so hard about abiding in the secret place and spending time, because if I can get you to look at him, what happens? Look at the scripture. When you start looking to the Lord, it's like looking into a mirror. And now here's what happens. What I used to see about myself and about everybody else was ugly and negative and never measuring up and all the lies. Now what I see is promises from God with a hope and a future. I see sons and daughters. I see that, you know what, I'm God's son and I see all his children when I look. At Him, I see nothing but promise and hope. That's why every time I come here, I'm like so fired up. I only take a few Sundays off a year, and I even hate to do that because I love what I do. This isn't work to me. This is awesome. And the sole purpose is to get you beholding the Lord so that you can start getting a proper image of yourself and see yourself as a son and daughter. Just hang around me for five minutes. Just talk to me on the phone for ten. I'm not kidding. If I can't breathe some fire right into you, come to me in your worst day. I love what Ryan Jones said. You're not who you are in your worst day. So Paul would use this example of a mirror, and he would say, you're going to become transformed. Everybody say same image. Same image. Say it again. Same image. Here's what happens. God wants to restore the lost image from the garden. The devil lied, stole the image. Now, how do you get the image back? You turn to the Lord, you get born again, and then suddenly you start beholding him. Not religious duty, go and spend time with Jesus and break the cycle of an appointment. You don't have appointments with God. You spend time with him because you have a relationship and you need him desperately. When I go to get with the Lord, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Sometimes I never read my Bible. Sometimes all I do is read my Bible. Sometimes I crank up worship and I'm crying and screaming and sometimes it's dead silent. I do whatever the Holy Spirit, t- in that moment, I do what he puts in me and how I feel together with him because the point is it's spending time together. Your spouse doesn't want you to have an agenda when you go on a date night. For five minutes, we're going to talk about this and we're going to eat our appetizer. <laughs> Ten minutes, we're going to do this. Come on, what's the agenda? You, who wants to hang out with your best friend with an agenda? you got to understand spending time with the Lord transforms you glory to glory. And now the image you're beholding is what you become. So if you're depressed, anxious, worried, nervous, you're not beholding Jesus. And I love you. My job's to challenge you. My job's for you to come in here and go, man, pastor's just, man, he's hitting me right between the eyes. But, man, that's what I need to hear. Because I don't want to itch your ears. I want to challenge you to become something great. This world's too full of dysfunction. It's too full of, you know, when people come to me and they're manifesting all kinds of garbage in their life, a lot of times the Lord will show me you when you were a child, and he'll say they never got out of that. And I'm like, man, my heart breaks. And I wanted to be mad at you, and I really wanted to rip your head off because I thought, how could you ever be doing what you're doing after all the times and all the messages and all this? Don't you know better? But then suddenly I start to see the way God sees, and I start to picture Children in foster care are abandoned by their dads and moms and never loved and never had a dad. And suddenly my heart gets soft. And now because I've been with him and he's, I'm seeing the way he sees me, now I get to see you the way he sees you. It's powerful. Now this is the good news. But there is some bad news. And you have to understand there's the contrast. I mean the bad news really isn't even bad news. But you've got to understand the contrast. We are saved by the contrast, meaning we understand the difference between the light and the darkness, and we reject the darkness and embrace the light. Okay? So here's what James says in chapter uh, 122, I believe it is. Yeah. So James says, be doers of the word and not just hearers, or you will deceive yourself. So if we keep coming to church, just hearing, 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 But never doing, you'll fall into deception. You will actually deceive yourself because you'll be hearing and not doing. Now, let me help you understand something about doing. The lie of doing is religious duty. Man, you're not an evangelist. What's the matter with you? You're not out preaching the gospel. You're not out on the street corner. You You didn't witness to that person next to you at the cafeteria. That is religious dysfunction. I do what I do because I'm so in love. I can't not. And when I look at somebody, my wife said to me, I don't know, how do you always just so instantly have a word for the waitress and the waiter? Everywhere I go, it's like I don't even have to think about it, nor am I even trying to evangelize. Because I'm so fascinated with the Lord, and understand this is long process, this is time, this is patience, this is, this is learning and growing. I'm not telling you to arrive, nor am I trying to put a self-righteous thing on you but I'm setting the bar for you guys to come up higher. And so what happens is, is everybody I see, I'm telling you, everybody I see, I'm now seeing through his eyes. And I look at the boat captain and I see a picture of him crying out for his children, hurting and broken and misunderstood. And I tell it to him and he freaks out and says, how did you know that? And a day before his children were restored to his life. Or I go to the restaurant and it doesn't matter who it is, it doesn't matter what they believe, I'm not trying to convert them. I'm not asking them if they're a Christian. I'm not even asking for their opinion. Because the the word of God and prophecy with love behind it will ramrod any wall in anybody's life, even the atheist or the Satanist. Because there's eyes of love, and I'm coming from a place of confidence which only comes from beholding him. And so doing what Jesus told us to do, if you actually learn for yourself, not what the preacher said, Not what you heard on TV. Not the Sunday morning guy. If you'll learn what Jesus told you to do and what his commandments are, and you'll start doing what Jesus told you and tells you, (laughs) both in his word and by the Holy Spirit at all times. So when I go out to eat, if God says you leave them a $50 tip and you just give them, tell them how much I love them and don't even try to convert them. I say, yes, sir. And wherever I go, when God says, deny yourself, Lay down the, the, the lusts of the flesh and sow to the spirit. And I say, okay, Lord, it's hard. I, my flesh is crying out and all these things may want to go do other things. But instead of sowing to that, God, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to look to you because I know you can transform me. And I make the decision to say I don't want to live that way anymore because I didn't come to Jesus for the fun of it. I came to Jesus because I hated my old life. That old life brought dysfunction and disease and, and addictions and using and abusing everybody else and a false identity of who I was. It did that to so many of you. So Jesus, so James says, be doers, not just hearers. If you keep and I'm, I love you, hear me, please hear me. If we keep just hearing the word and you just keep being a Christian, And not doing what Jesus tells you to do. And you're only going to learn that with him. I'm not even going to box you in. Discover the greatness of who Jesus is. I'm telling you. And I'll give you a lot of great ideas. And I'll empower you in a lot of ways. But if you can start doing what Jesus tells you to do. You will break the deception out of your life. But if you keep just going through the religious motions. You're going to fall into deception and deceive yourselves. Let's look at the next verse. Here's what that's like. Anyone... Who is a hearer of the word and not a doer is like a man observing his natural face. Everybody say natural face. Now, the word natural in the Greek is the word Genesis. Look it up. And here's what what James is saying. If you're not going to do what Jesus told you to do, which is all about becoming and trusting and loving and abiding... Jesus' main message was abide in me. Eat from my life. I'm the daily bread. Anybody that's thirsty, drink from me. Everything was about becoming something great, which only comes from him. Now, a lot of churches hammer obedience. Some of us have come from churches where everything was about obey, 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 obey. But if you don't get faith first, if you don't get fascinated first, if you don't get wonder first, you won't have hunger and the desire to be obedient obedience without faith first is putting the cart before the horse so if you got hammered with obedience that's a problem first comes faith so abraham first had faith and then he obeyed and he was called a friend of god now check this out you guys doing all right you okay anyone who hears the word and, and uh who is a hearer of the word and not a doer hears like a man observing his natural face everybody say natural face Here's the premise. The premise is is you're like Adam in the garden. You're a Genesis man. And you're like Adam after he tasted and he saw, and then he was veiled. So the reason why there was a blinding and a veil in everybody in the Old Testament is from what happened in the garden. Make the correlation. So he's saying if you don't do what he's telling you to do, then you are like a natural man observing your face. Now face means your countenance or the image of who you are. And you'll be looking at yourself through false identity. That's why you got to spend time with the Lord and get in his word. And you got to say yes every day. And you got to forgive. Here's some other things Jesus said to do. Forgive. And I'll give you a lot of doing things. Forgive, love. The world will know you're my disciples through your love. Treat other people with kindness and the fruit of the spirit and the golden rule and Sow and invest and build and grow and all these things that the Lord told you to do. He's told all of us to do it. And so he says you become, if you don't do those things, you become like a natural man observing the natural face, the old person of who I was. And look at verse 24. For he observes himself. Everybody say, myself. You observe yourself. This is what happens is our eyesight gets skewed and you begin to see yourself as your old you. And when you go away, you immediately forget what kind of man you were. And I got a lot of people that don't know or have forgotten who they are. And God wants you to always know who you are in him. And he wants you to have a healthy perspective and picture of who you are. You're not that old person of who you used to be. Whatever your past was, that's not who you are. And by beholding him, And by saying yes to everything he tells you to do, what happens is is you're always reminded of your identity and you'll never get sidetracked. But if you're not willing and you don't, then what happens is, is you forget what kind of man you are. And the enemy works hard to tell you a bunch of lies and the true identity of who you are is blinded. But here's the great news. Again, verse 25. But anybody that looks into the law of liberty. Verse 25, it's moving slow. Anybody who looks into the perfect law of liberty now and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in all that he does. So now I'm looking at the Lord. It's the perfect law of liberty. I've said yes, and I'm going to continue. That's why I teach so many If you just stay the course. Even when you fall short, You have an advocate. There's mercy. Pick yourself back up and stay the course. At some point, you'll get it. If you'll keep looking and you'll keep trusting and you'll stay the course, I promise you at some point the switch is going to flip and something's going to happen in your life that's going to be really incredible. And now instead of having a warped perception of of yourself, you're going to see yourself as a mighty man of God, a son, a daughter, a rock star in the kingdom full of promise and hope. And now you're going to start to encourage your own self and believe in your own self. And you'll be blessed in all that you do. Now, in the Old Testament, there was the tabernacle. And let's pull up that image of the Old Testament tabernacle. In the Old Testament tabernacle, the priest, once a year, would enter in and first come to the bronze altar. The bronze altar was where a sacrifice of fire would be. And that means that's a prophetic picture, an Old Testament type and shadow, of coming to the cross and getting born again. So nothing can happen until you go all in, slide all your chips in, no more reserving and saying, Jesus, I want you, I need you, I'm desperate, I don't want to live the way that I used to live anymore. And the first thing that happens is he crucifies your flesh and you come to the cross. The cross is the death to self. And so the priest would first go to to the bronze altar and offer the sacrifice. And then he would go to the bronze lever. These are the only two bronze things outside of the holy place and, the, and the, the inner court. Everything else was made of gold. And so the bronze lever is very interesting because the bronze lever was a mirrored reflection and it was, it was a, somewhat of a skewed reflection because it was made out of bronze mirrors. But the premise is, is, after you give your life to Jesus, you would need to, this represents several things. One, being baptized in water. So if you've not been baptized in water, you need to be. If you were sprinkled as a child and your parents made you do it, it's time for you to do it for yourself and go down the old and come out the new. The bronze lever is a picture of the new life in Christ and being washed by the water of the word. Jesus said, anybody that's thirsty, come to me. I'm the living water. He said, anybody that comes to me out of their belly will flow rivers of living water. And he made this powerful statement in Ezekiel. Pull up the scripture in Ezekiel. He said, he made a promise in the Old Testament. He said, that he would sprinkle clean water on you, and you'll be clean. He'll cleanse you from all your faith filthiness and from all your idols. Every bad thing you've done, the Lord comes and washes you clean, and that's the premise. You lay your life down, you come to the bronze lever, and the Lord washes you clean. He'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and he'll take out the heart of stone. Any bitterness, any anger, any unforgiveness, being angry, being apathetic, if you're living a life where you're angry at the world, angry at politics, angry at people, negative all the time. God wants to take that hard heart out of you and put a soft heart inside of you. And he says, I'll take out that heart of stone. Maybe you were hurt. Maybe you were cheated on. Maybe you went through a divorce. Maybe a pastor did you wrong. You can't afford to have any hard heartedness inside of you. So the Lord washes you. He cleanses you. He takes out that old stinky thing and he puts in a new beautiful heart inside of you. And he gives you a new heart, a soft heart. And he puts his spirit within you and he causes you. Everybody say, he causes me. He causes causes you to walk in his statutes and and you will keep my judgments and do them. So you can't do what Jesus told you to do if you don't have the Holy Spirit helping you. We can never do it out of religious duty. I got to have the Holy Spirit empowering me, coming alongside of me, comforting me and equipping me every day. Now let's go back to the picture of the tabernacle. And so this is an incredible understanding right here because this is the pattern of the life that God wants us to live is we lay our lives down continuously at the cross. I'm continuously washed by the water of God's word, John 15. I'm continuously cleansed by the water of God's word. I'm washed. I've been baptized. The, The old is continuously washed away so that I can walk in forgiveness is at the lever And then I can walk in and I can experience the lampstand of the Lord, which is where he walks in the mist. In Revelations, it says that Jesus is in the midst of the seven lampstands of fire. And this fire is a picture of the fire of the Holy Spirit. The incense is a picture of my dedication and devotion and prayer and intimacy and worship with the Lord. And then the table of showbread is a picture of eating from the bread of life every day. This is a pattern for everyday life for everybody. And in the Old Testament, check this out. In the Old Testament, the priest could only go in one time a year. And guess who didn't get to go? None of us. Only the priest could go once a year. This wasn't a general... This wasn't where everybody got to go. So once a year, the priest would go in and make one sacrifice. And if he didn't do everything just right, and he didn't, if he had any sin in his life, he'd have to put a bell on his leg and a, tie him to a rope. And if he got into the veil, past the veil... And he didn't do everything just right. He would die. But if he did it just right, he'd make a sacrifice which would bring atonement, which was an incomplete sacrifice, which is why Jesus would have to come. So there'd still be a veil. And so in in Genesis, when Adam and Eve sinned against God, they got kicked out of the garden, but there was a way back. And the only way back was through a cherubim that had a flaming sword going back and forth. Now Jesus has become the flaming sword that penetrates your heart, and the veil with the cherubim has been ripped in two, so now you have access. Jesus has made access so you can come boldly to the throne of grace that you might obtain mercy. But I want to come back to the lever. So the lever, or laver, however you say it. Laver. The laver. (laughs) Check this out. The laver had a very special thing about it. A very special thing about it. And it's a little hidden gem that most people miss. And it's this picture. That God would now be a reflection to all the world that when they come to him, they would see a reflection of himself in you which is called the bride of Christ, which is a feminine term of his bride. So now the world will come, and now when you're looking at me, what you're really seeing is him, an image of him, and in turn, people would be washed and cleansed and healed, and that's where Exodus thirty is at Exodus 38.8. The bronze lever was made... Just check this out. Let me just paraphrase this for you. There's a bunch of women standing at continuously at the door to the temple. And these women have bronze. They didn't have a mirrors like we had. They had these, Their mirrors were these bronze, polished bronze. Okay? And it wasn't very clear, but it was enough for them to be... So what the image of what they would look at, I don't think there's a bunch of women sitting doing their makeup all the time. The, the prophetic picture here is that the women who gathered at the assembly of the door to the temp to the tabernacle their mirrors what they were seeing in the reflection would now be used as the bronze lever so anybody that would come to be washed and cleansed would see the reflection the image of Christ through what they were looking at Amen. it's a powerful understanding that God is raising up the bride of Christ and men have issues with this i had a pastor not long ago tell me that Women cannot be pastors. They can preach but not be pastors. I totally disagree. The bride of Christ is the one that we're the bride. We're the ones carrying the message to the world. So now when you look at me, you should see a reflection of him and say, Man, I want what he has. We should all be reflections of him. But notice the women, what they were looking at and using to behold themselves at, at the temple. So anybody that would go into the tabernacle, It'd be like Mama Colleen, every day standing at the front door, welcoming you. Mm -hmm. And what she sees in herself, she's portraying everybody that comes into the door. And then I say, Mama Colleen, I'm going to take the foundation of what she sees, and I'm going to make a bronze lever out of it. And now anybody that comes to get washed will have an accurate uh, picture of who you are. This is a powerful prophetic understanding. It's a powerful understanding. And so what the Lord is trying to show you is that what you look at is what you become. And God wants to give you an accurate picture of who you really are. In Exodus 5.25, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water of the word. So notice he's talking about the bride, and he's talking about how... God gave his life to wash the bride, and it was from the women that we had this reflection and picture. And there's more prophetic understanding that you guys can develop on your own, but I want to leave you with this scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12 says, Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then. Everybody say, but then. But then. Say it again. When is but then? Well, my study notes tell me that but then is when Jesus comes back. I don't think so. I think that but then is the process of now. And I think that there's this understanding, because they didn't have mirrors like we have. They had this polished bronze that was only, a ref- was only like a dim reflection. He says, now I know in part, but then I shall know just, uh, just as I also am known. And the understanding of the scripture is, is that when you can see the Lord clearly, you will know just as you are also are known, yeah. which means you'll discover who you really are. And you'll begin to see yourself for who you really are. And I believe that God is in this but-then process every day of us knowing him more and more, beholding him more and more, discovering who we are more and more. And one of my favorite things that I love to do as a pastor is to call you out of a warped picture and perception of who you are. And when I prophesy and I speak life into somebody, it's always coming from this place of seeing myself how God sees me and seeing you how God sees you. But it only comes When we take a look at him and see him face to face, you will know who he is and you will discover and know who you are. And this morning what I want to do is I want to break out the lies and the false perceptions of how you see God and how you see yourself. It's hard to do that in 35 minutes on a Sunday morning. But what I can do is I can hopefully bring you to a place where you realize what I've been looking at and what I've been believing and what I've been beholding has been a lie. It's not a religious thing. It's looking at Jesus and saying, Jesus, I'm turning to you. And I'm going to get born again. I'm going to come to the cross at the bronze altar. And I'm going to lay my life down as a sacrifice. And then I'm going to come. I'm going to get baptized. I'm going to come to the water of your word I'm going to come to Jesus the living water and I'm going to get an accurate reflection now of who I really am. It's like looking into a mirror and instead of believing lies of all the things that the enemy says about you, you're a failure, you're never going to get it, or your image and your identity is in what you look like or what you have, is Jesus breaking all those things? Yeah. It's us saying yes to do what he tells us to do so that we never forget. Let me just be honest with you. If I stop today getting reading the Bible if I stop today spending time with Jesus, it's just a matter of time before I'm struggling to remember who I really am. And it doesn't mean that I'm not saved or I'm not born again. And It doesn't mean that, I've, that in a sense I fell away from God. But what happens is, is I start to believe misconceptions and lies about myself. And I start to be a man pleaser and try to please people and measure up. And I get a warped picture of who God is. And that's why every day I want to encourage you to spend time with the Lord. Every day make the sacrifice. We spend way too much money for a TV we don't watch. We spend way too much time on Facebook with nothing that satisfies to find out what everybody else is doing. We spend way too much time chasing after the comforts and the pleasures of this world. And what happens is is we fall into false narratives. And some of you have a false narrative today. If I just get close to some of you, When people meet me in public and realize I'm a pastor, there's this little thing of shame or condemnation that tries to come on so many people, and I want to break that off of you. I don't see any of that. I know that there's hurts and pains. I know many of you have made a lot of poor decisions, and I know a lot of you have deceived yourselves. Some of you have been coming to church every week, and you're still sleeping around. Some of you have been coming to church every week and still hooked on and addicted, but you know what? God, in his kindness and his mercy, you're here. And you're here because you want something more, and I believe in you, and I'm not giving up on you because Jesus didn't give up on me. I'll call it for what it is, but not to put shame and condemnation on you. I don't have to save you through fear and hell. What I can do is tell you how much Jesus loves you and what I see in you so that instead of this man, this beat-down condemnation lifestyle, you go, you know what? God does believe in me. And when you fall in love again, and when you look at him, and you make it your desire to go all in with him, he'll transform you. And you won't want to go back to living the way that you used to live. And at some point, you get it. At some point, you realize in your life, my old life is not how I want to live. Jesus said, if you love your life, you'll lose it. And that word for life is the word psyche. It means the seat of your emotions, your soul realm. It means all your natural desires. And if you're living like an animal, sleeping around, cheating, lying, stealing, addicted, angry, that's all animal nature stuff. What you got to do is you got to give it up, and you got to say, God, I want the Zoe kind of life, because the Zoe kind of life is the God kind of life. It's everlasting life right now, and it means you are now stepping into the identity of who you were created to be. Don't you want that? Don't you want that? And so today, if you have been believing a lie about yourself, if you don't know who you really are, if you're in an identity crisis, I want to pray for you. Where the spirit of the Lord, is there's liberty. And here's what happens. When you turn to the Lord, that veil's coming off. You're going to see yourself for who you really are. And you're going to say, man, I believed lies for so long. I was trying to measure up for that pastor, that church, my family. I was trying to to be something that I never was created to be. And now you become something great. That's what I want for you. It first comes from being born again and saying I'm all in. And if you did that once and you, you are backslidden, if you keep falling back, I'm telling you, the answer is going to be spending time and enjoying Jesus and saying yes in your heart and doing whatever it takes to get with him. Because the more you behold him, the more you look to the light, the more the light becomes a part of me, and I'm no longer the same. I can't give you any other five steps of anything. It's one step. Surrender, die, get with Jesus, and get washed clean, and start looking at the Lord and seeing a proper image out of the mirror of who you really are. That's why when I look at myself in my mirror, I'm not defined by whether I had long, cool long hair or not or my clothes. I look at myself and I'm like, man, you got a promise, you have hope. God's got a plan for you no matter what you face. And I've been through the hardest things that anybody could ever go through. And I'm telling you, no matter what you face, you have faith and confidence and strength. And you say, yes, Lord, I'm gonna trust you no matter what my natural circumstance looks like. And then every day I get transformed more. I've seen some of you come here and you get transformed for a moment. And then I don't see you for two weeks, three weeks, a month, three months. And you come back. The devil's kicked your butt. You forgot who you were. This is the pattern. And you, what do I do? Kick you while you're down? No, I say, now, come on. Get yourself back up. You're not who, that, you're not who you just were for those last three months. But at some point, you got to stop going back. At some point, you got to say, I'm not going to live that way anymore. There's no such thing as being too spiritual. There's no such thing. Get more spiritual. Stop listening to the lies of the enemy. Go all in. This is your time today. Let's all stand. You have been listening to a message from David Bindet, senior pastor of Rock City Church in beautiful Corpus Christi, Texas. David's prayer is for a deeper understanding of God's love and purpose for your life and that all of us would grow into a greater awareness of our identity in Christ. Thank you for listening. And until next time, stay fired up.